Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today is going to be a very unusual episode. Why? Because what's normal anymore? And oh my God, what a ride we've been on all of us together in this marketing community over the last few weeks as we are living through a global pandemic. And we're not through it all the way yet. And there's certainly a long road ahead as we think about what comes after? And we're already seeing some great examples coming out of Shanghai and South Korea and a number of other places that have come through the pandemic on the other side and celebrating this new found love for each other, which I think is one of the coolest things that has actually happened as a result of this pandemic. So you haven't heard from me in a while, but that was by design. You know, when all of this started really happening around us in New York and San Francisco and now all over the U.S., we, like you, pretty much dropped everything we were doing and said, what do we have to do right now? Because right now is unlike anything we saw yesterday, and it's unlike anything any one of us has ever really truly lived through. And what we found was the biggest thing we could do is just listen and be there and help people connect who needed help and think about our communities and all of the different things that those communities were going through, whether it was anxiety or nerves or working from home and uh, how to connect and technology we thought was always there behind us was breaking down and not being able to connect. And then also thinking about the consumers and the marketplace and stores closing and how do we actually serve everybody and how do we help our consumers? And then, oh, our teams, what's happening to our teams? What's happening to morale? Uh, you know, businesses are suffering and furloughs are happening and massive layoffs. And despite all that, every single call I got on was about, okay, we are all in this together. It is hard right now for all of us, but what can we do? 
do together to get through this? And what are we excited about? What are we optimistic about? Because our normal will never be the same. And that actually gives way to a lot of new ideas and a lot of new thinking. So in one of these community calls that I've been hosting, I invited a leading futurist to come and share some ideas with us. And she was actually also one of my keynote speakers at both the CMO Moves Summit West and East, which occurred just a mere eight weeks ago when we were all still gathering together at events. And she shared with us a really mind-blowing vision of what the future will look like. And I just had to know, like, what's, what's changed then? Has anything changed from those projections? So we had her on a call yesterday and she confirmed everything she projected has been accelerated. And this continuous line of thinking around optimism and hope is going to apply to everything we do, but we're going to have to use technology in even more interesting ways than ever before. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome my very special guest to the show and have her share some ideas with you. So Tamara McCleary, CEO of Thulium, hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Thank you, Nadine. Oh, you're so right. Uh, I loved hearing what you just said because in the midst of, of all of this uncertainty and suffering that so many of us have moved through both not only professionally, but personally as well. What we have to thank for this shakeup that we've been through is that the future may arrive a little earlier than I had projected <laughs> during my keynote, which eight weeks now seems like years ago. So I think that after experiencing a global pandemic like we have, business is learning to adopt technologies much quicker. And the reason for this is they have to adopt technologies in order to function when the human workforce is affected, right? And not functioning. So we're even learning new behaviors right now, aren't we all? And having a new lifestyle uh, from the experiences of having to reskill ourselves and our teams, working remotely from home, the office as the central hub or management center has declined in importance with millions now working from home and new business opportunities. Here's the positive part that you were pointing to. With every challenge, I believe there's also solutions and possibilities and the new business opportunities right now are focused on creating more efficient work from home processes. And there's so much energy and investment now going into creating products and services to empower a work from home workforce. You know, and it's amazing because I think we've all been experiencing that in different ways and the adoption of the technology and, and, and really leveraging it to empower us all to be productive. I feel like is almost still like, okay, how do we get people back to quote normal, right? Or and allow them to connect so we can keep functioning, but it actually is changing everything still. And you were talking to us yesterday and you took us on this trajectory 
that took us so far <laughs> that I, I was watching all the faces on the Zoom call and they were frozen because like, is that even possible? And you're saying, yeah, it's possible. It's coming. And not only is it coming, it's actually here. So to tell us about this trajectory that you see us on. Yeah, absolutely, Nadine. In fact, what I'll do is I'll kind of tee it up and then I'll share that trajectory that I did on yesterday's call. Uh, But when we look at how all of these changes are impacting the trajectory of technology and innovation, and actually think about it, tech adoption, this accelerates the timeline because of a simple supply and demand scenario, right? So just think how overnight everyone had to rely on video conferencing to continue doing business and communicating with their teams, right? That was a huge shift. Yes, we've all used video conferencing, but never in the way that we have since having to support a remote workforce. So living through these unexpected times and surviving a global pandemic has really created a new push for tech adoption by businesses. And we're seeing an explosion of spend on artificial intelligence and automation. So here's the timeline that we're looking at when we look at what's the future, future technology, future of marketing, Well, marketing is about this human connection, human communication. And boy, isn't this what we've really been grappling with uh, since we, you know, immediately all had to shift the way we did business. So right now we have machines marketing to humans, right? We all know that with MarTech. This is software, artificial intelligence. This is social listening. This is the ways in which we are currently using machines and technology to market to humans. So this is 2020. Well, we sped up our timeline and we have to look at, you know, most of our conversations this year have been around hyper-personalization, right? That the expectation of the consumer is that we know them and we target marketing to them in a way that's very personalized. But, you know, now we're looking at with more automation coming online, it's really taking a look at how we're going to have to market to machines. And that is, You know, how many of us have a personal digital assistant already in the home? Nadine, do you have any such thing as an Alexa? I do. So these digital assistants are run by platforms and platforms are companies. And so when we look at how we are going to become more and more dependent on Alexa, Siri, Cortana, and Google, uh, it's because our lives are really complex. Look at how complex our life has become since we've had to juggle not only work, but distractions in our family all in the same space. So as our digital assistants begin to do more for us and as AI technology and machine learning accelerates and does a better job at personalizing to us, we will rely on our digital assistants to do things for us and make decisions for us, make decisions on groceries and ordering uh, products and services. Our assistants will compare prices for us. So we will rely on our digital assistant to provide us not only the most current information, but the best price and the best product. So with that, as a marketer, you have to think, okay, In the past, we've always relied on how do we own the relationship with the consumer. So what it will be now is these digital assistants own the relationship with the consumer. So we will have to create strategic alliances with those platforms. We will have to know how we market to those machines in order to get our products and services in front of the consumer. 
So for instance, big ad budgets can buy their way into the top of the line offerings, but natural selection with dollars can be bypassed. And if you think about it, it's going to be an algorithmic selection as the digital assistant is going to be in control of that relationship, right? So it's going to do a much more exquisite job of positioning the right product to the right person, the right time and right place while also doing all of its algorithmic searches in the background uh, to know who the partners are with the platform and also doing price comparisons. Next, you know, I was talking about 2023 is where we're really going to be getting into some of the more, uh, you know, sexy, delicious aspects of artificial intelligence because we will have been able to harness things like 5G, what we need for increasing speeds and decreasing latency times. But also think about it, augmented reality, virtual reality with those increasing speeds and decreased latency times with 5G it's going to completely revolutionize what AR and VR is going to mean. And that's where we start to look at, even in 2025, looking at an augmented reality experience using AR contact lenses. And this is the point from now forward, I'm warning you, where everyone listening is going to go, what, is that real? But you know, it, it, we would have those today, Nadine, if we could solve the battery issue. But I believe we're solving that soon when you think about the fact that we're getting better and better at finding energy sources that don't have to be physically attached to us. So, for instance, looking at ways in which we can harness solar technology to power these AR contact lenses. And with this AR contact lens, think of all the marketing opportunities, right? So you have someone wearing them, they're walking down the street, uh, and, you know, every store they're passing by can offer them, you know, something right there in their vision. Because we're talking about algorithms knowing the person so intimately, they know they love Red Bull or something, right? So not trying to do a product placement here. I have no connection to Red Bull. But (laughs) knows that person so well that not only do they see the Red Bull, but they hear the can crack open and they hear the fuzz and it's ice cold and it's being poured into a glass. And so, you know, when you talk about um, experiential marketing, think about turning on those taste buds and then all of a sudden the impulse buy is made because now it just sounds too good to pass up. And when we look at the future, we are talking about much more deeper experiences because we have the technology to create those experiences, which naturally leads me into the tactile internet. So, you know, 2026, I'm thinking, is uh, the tactile internet where we are having an actual uh, experience of feeling what we're tapping into. So if any of you have ever played a video game and you've used, say, an AR, VR headset, you know, you can see the object in front of you. Like some of those games, we play games, our kids love playing video games. So there's, you know, this one game where you can cook a meal on a stove and reach over for the refrigerator and open it up for whatever ingredient you need. But the thing that's missing is you don't feel the handle of the fridge when you open it. You don't feel um, yourself cracking that egg to put it into the pan. So with the tactile internet, what we'll be able to do is feel those things. Now, imagine this. When you put on that AR VR headset and you can feel, 
those things, that's when we turn the corner and begin to have an immersive experience where we may not be able to tell what's reality from what's the AR or VR experience because we can feel it. And that's what I think then naturally leads into that next leap on my timeline in 2027 is having those virtual conference uh, meetings. So instead of having, you know, our video conferencing call that we're having currently, and we know everyone's on a flat screen and we still feel distant, right? We may be connected, but it doesn't feel like we're all in the same room. And in fact, that's why we all miss having those physical experiences of going to conference and, and having these meetings. Well, when you have the tactile internet and you have AR and VR to such a place where you actually are having this fully immersive experience, you can have conference calls that are actually meetings in meeting rooms where you feel the table, you feel the chair underneath you. And, you know, there's no stopping you from being able to show up in any avatar you want. So, you know, you can, you know, this would be nice. You don't have to worry about having your, your best clothes all dry cleaned and ready. And you don't have to worry about your hair or your, you know, your presentation. You can pick an avatar um, and it's, it's going to make being together and having that connection uh, much easier without actually having to be there. And the next- I wanna, I, I, I'm, I'm really gonna start designing my avatar because that is so cool and fun. Oh my gosh, okay, what would I be? I'm gonna start thinking about that. All right, keep going. You know, keep- well, what's great about that is, I don't know if any of you relate, but we do business globally at our organization. So I've had you know, a 4 a.m. You know, uh, presentation in Pakistan. It's 4 a.m. my time, right? And, and they've assured me that I'm just going to talk to everyone and use my deck, that there will be no video of me. And I went through my whole deck. It's 4 a.m. So I've got coffee already, but I am not dressed (laughs) for a video. And at the end, they said, Tamara, we would like to take some questions. Could you turn your video on? And I'm like, there's a technical difficulty. No, I can't turn it on. But wouldn't it be great if you could just have your avatar ready to go, right? Right. I love it. (laughs) Isn't this positive already? Aren't, isn't everyone feeling better? So uh, we move from that capability into the hyper personal AI assistant. And I already alluded to this earlier, right? That we're going to begin to depend on our, our digital assistant more and more. Well, if you, as we're nearing 2030, around 2028, those digital assistants, because we've come so much farther in eight years, think about it, how much farther will we be along the path with artificial intelligence and machine learning that our digital assistant will be very um, hyper-personalized and we will trust that digital assistant. And then 2029, as we're really close to 2030, that's when I'm really looking at those um, neural implants and the telepathy um, nanotech will be, you know, completely different than what we're experiencing today. And there's a lot of breakthroughs happening, uh, living robots, uh, machines, marketing to machines. So if you think about it, if our reliance on digital assistance is such that that digital assistant is making decisions for us, imagine by 2029, we will have companies that may exist entirely on software. And so, you know, the marketing will be from machine to machine. 
And then, of course, the augmented human race um, with the superintelligence in 2030. And uh, so as we think about superintelligence being having these neural implants where you will be directly connected in to the internet. Imagine this, you have all, how many times do you grab your phone and look something up, right? So we are already augmented. Let's all just admit that now. Um, you know, we have been assimilated. Resistance is futile uh, because we already are using um, artificial intelligence to make us smarter. It's just that it's external to us now. So imagine with a neural implant that you're connected in and you really don't have the questions because the answers are already there. And, um, you know, how do you communicate? How do you market to, to an augmented human? And, you know, the genie's out of the bottle. Okay, we already have AI out there. We're already totally dependent on our phones, and it's completely interwoven into the very fabric of our lives. So um, what we'll see is the fact that we don't really have the decision to say we don't want that. Because, you know, what I want to ask you right now is if you had the ability to not lose your memory, not forget um, to if you have any relatives who have had a cognitive decline or dementia or Alzheimer's or a head injury, would you opt for a neural implant to be able to continue to function and not lose your memory? How many of you would take that for yourself or a loved one? Because the minute that the first person does, we will all have to and the reason is, is we will not be able to compete in business unaugmented when we have coworkers and folks who are augmented because their super intelligence will rise so far ahead. We will not be able to keep up. Okay. I'm, I'm getting goosebumps. And every time I hear you say that, it's crazy. It, and when you said that at the summit and you asked everybody the question, half the room raised their hand right away and said, yes, I would augment. And the other half didn't. And then as soon as you said that, everybody was like, oh crap. Now, because I've heard you say it, I'm like, I'm the first one. I'm like, yes, I'll take it. Cause I know what happens on the other end of this question. So, You're cheating. <laughs> I'm cheating. I'm cheating. Yes, I will be augmented. I don't know why, but yes, yes, you should be. So. Well, it's just, you know what it does? It highlights the fact that we really, okay. So what are we all experiencing right now? We're experiencing, the myriad feelings of being not in control. And what I'm trying to highlight here is that technology is already on its trajectory and we're not in control of that ultimate decision because once somebody does do it, then it really throws our world into a whole other spin yet again, right? So, you know, think about, the social and economic impacts of having, you know, a superhuman race. And, you know, I, I use the word compete for a reason, because honestly, how would you compete if, if your subordinates are the ones that report up to you, all of a sudden become much smarter than you, do you really think you're going to keep your position? <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. I already have that problem because Heidi on my team is so much better than me. Um, so, but I just, I have, I I have kids. It's already like that. It's like, how do you parent these geniuses? <laughs> yeah, but they think they're geniuses at like age five. Uh, so like, and it, and it never goes away. Um, 
Oh boy, holy cow. But you know, okay. we've so we've learned a lot, right? So this this you know, it's not this isn't to scare everyone, honestly, honestly, it's not. What it is is to wake you up. And the reason I'm really passionate about waking people up just to ask people to please pay attention because we are co-creating our future together. Earlier, Nadine, you said we're in this together. Well, we're in this together as well. And we cannot abdicate our responsibility and hope that others are making the best decision for our future. And, and so we have to think about how these technological advances are redefining what it means to be human and what it means for our future existence. And then we have to care. And as marketers, you have to care because you're going to need to know how are you going to reach people and communicate your message and do what you do in the face of new tech, you know, and we have to be prepared for the unexpected. If anything, that's what we're living into right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you and I have had many conversations on my opinion of that most innovation is simply iteration. Mm-hmm. It's not a new idea. It's just, uh, you know, improving on the old idea. And so, you know, we're really having to look at, okay, how do we innovate, which is mean, how do we let go of what we thought was? How do we let go of what we thought we knew? And instead, embrace an unknown even if you're not technologically savvy, you don't have to be to even understand the implications of these things. And it's important that we all become involved. And, you know, this is, this is why I, I think everyday people out there need to know. It's our job. Okay, so let's, let's talk about that for a minute because it's very, very important to me. You know, my dad had a really simple way of saying that. He's like, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and that's where ignorance comes from. So you have to always be open and embrace the fact that you don't know a lot of things and seek out knowledge, right? Especially when we're heads down thinking about what we're doing. And like you said, this is what we just went through, right? We had our normal, we had our routine. And then all of a sudden, it all got pulled out from underneath us. And you just have to reinvent on the fly what you're doing. And who knew all of us would be working at home one day across the world. Anyways. And maybe some of us were idealizing work from home until we realized work from home in a stay-at-home mandate means that you also have to be a school teacher, head cook, head cleaner. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't mean work from home and have, you know... <laughs> kids running around and there's there's nothing more humanizing than being on a conference call and watching a global CMO have their kid you know come in and go where's my (laughs) it's just so it's just awesome because it it reminds you that oh okay we are all definitely human we Um, are and that permission to be human is (laughs) oh my god and it's funny and you know, I think it is, it's just, it's pretty cool. And, you know, I, I just think that we've learned, we've learned a lot of things, right? Like yeah. prepared for the unexpected, all the things we said we weren't going to do, we started doing. I have a friend in Hong Kong who told me that some of the call centers uh, there had to immediately, almost overnight, uh, their, their um, workers had to to go home and work remotely, but the problem was they didn't have the equipment necessary for each individual to run a virtual call center from their home. And then 
all the organizations that were against chatbots for customer service uh, are all like, okay, we need chatbot right now. Um, and then, you know, think of all the supply chain disruption that caused a lot of us heartache with the fact that we couldn't find a roll of toilet paper or a bag of flour or some hand sanitizer. But, you know, if you look at the move now, okay, because of that experience, manufacturing is looking at going fully automated. Why? Because your automated worker isn't going to catch a virus. Um, and a lot of them had to shut down production when an employee became sick, they had to send everybody else home and do quarantine, which meant everything came to a screeching halt. Right. So, you know, all of these things that we learned, we learned how dependent we really are on machines. And we also, as much as people screamed about automation and the future of work and what happens to human beings, um, all of a sudden when you denied them a roll of toilet paper, they changed their view. Right. So I think we're just all experiencing being placed smack dab in the middle of this giant social science experiment. And we're realizing that we have to walk our talk. And if that means going without, are we willing to do that? Okay. So I... I could never, ever hold a conversation with you too long because I'll be very exposed as to not knowing anything about the world that you're talking about. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I, do, I do know some things, right? The one thing I do know is humanity. And um, I do work with people. And that's my focus. And very fortunate and lucky in life to have a role that allows me to just focus on people. Um, and I couldn't be happier every day. But I want to connect some dots here because this is why we put this session at the summit. It was uh, another session that was led by four really incredibly innovative marketers. And it wasn't just about innovation. And actually, Marvin Chow called me out on this. And he's like, Nadine, everybody talks about innovation. What is it about innovation we're going to talk about? And we decided we're going to talk about the humanity of innovation. And the reason is... I think we spend so much time talking about technology and the impact to humans. We don't talk about technology as a source for humanity if used responsibly. And Klaus Schwab, who's the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, put out a call to action. I think it was 2017. It, it was very close to then. <clears throat> and it has stuck with me forever because he had a quote in there that actually I've never seen a quote like this, that every single word carries meaning impact and just made me pause. And it couldn't be more true today. And I almost feel like the world actually went through a self-correction to remind us of how important this topic is. And I'm going to just ask everybody to just bear with me. I have to read it to you because I don't want to run the risk that if I tell you to go read it, you won't. It is critical. So Klaus says, in the end, it all comes down to people and values. We need to shape a future that works for all of us by putting people first and empowering them. In its most pessimistic, dehumanized form, the fourth industrial revolution may indeed have the potential to robotize humanity and thus deprive us of our heart and soul. But as a complement to the best parts of human nature, creativity, empathy, stewardship, it can also lift humanity into a new collective and moral consciousness 
based on a shared sense of destiny. It is incumbent on us all to make sure that the latter prevails. If you didn't get goosebumps, and maybe you didn't because I was reading it in his voice or, you know, just reading it yourself might be better. <laughs> I don't know, but like... <laughs> that was a mic drop moment. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's like when everything just like goes, boo. I know. No? <laughs> it, it, it is, and it's in a mic drop moment for like a million reasons. One of them being... He's pointing his finger back to all of us and asking mm. us to be leaders. Make mm-hmm. sure we don't lose sight of the fact that we are not inventing technology just for the sake of inventing technology. We're doing mm-hmm. it to better the human race and how can we use it to augment. And anyways, I know we're, we're going on and on. We probably you know, have everybody thinking all kinds of things right now. <laughs> but, but take a moment and give me your thoughts on that. And then, uh, and then we'll find a way to close this out and have everybody sleep tonight for some, some time. Well, I am very passionate about tech for good and tech in service to humanity. Um, so passionate, you know, I'm, you know, going back yet again to graduate school in, uh, in August. Uh, Harvard, you got accepted to Harvard. Congratulations. I did. Thank you. I'm so passionate that I want to educate myself and be prepared to have a stronger voice in policy shaping and politics and ethics with respect to technology, artificial intelligence, machine learning, because I think it's really, really important. I do see with my futurist glance uh, around the corner that we are going to have massive economic and social upheaval in the future. The divide between the haves and the have-nots will become much greater. Mm. So I, I want to do what I need to do, my own due diligence to, to be a bigger part in that. And I welcome anyone to connect with me on LinkedIn. If you have questions about anything that I said, I, I love having this dialogue. Please reach out to me. I'm serious. We all have to be a voice in this. We have to come together as a community and we cannot abdicate our responsibility as human beings and just think that people are going to do the right thing and that companies are going to do the right thing. Because, you know, unfortunately, oftentimes for organizations, it's about being first on scene versus thinking about what are the consequences of our creations. I, for one, would like to co-create with all of you a future that we are all happy to wake up in tomorrow. Okay, that was another mic drop moment. Uh, This one goes to you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was great. No, and, and what a beautiful call to action from you. Thank you for that. You know, I can't let you go without one other uh, quick nod to something because, you know, CMO moves, you know, we usually talk about career paths and, and how people got to be in the roles that they are. I'm, I'm looking at you, you're a futurist, you are getting ready to go to Harvard. And I think you're pretty honest with people and, and tell them your age, but I'm just going to give it a rough uh, number here. <laughs> um, you're in your 50s and you didn't start out as a futurist. You started out as an oncology nurse for cancer patients. Is that right? Yes. Uh, yeah, it is totally okay. I'm okay with saying the truth. I'm 55, but with anti-aging medicine, uh, you know, I am wild about the prospect that 
I'll be around for a really long time, making a lot of trouble for a lot more years. But yeah, <laughs> I, I started off as a trauma ICU and life flight helicopter nurse. Um, and then uh, eventually as a uh, hospice nurse doing end of life care, specifically pediatric hospice. And thank goodness there weren't enough pediatric patients to keep my roster busy every month. So that's when I started getting adult hospice patients as well, which then prompted me to really be curious about how can we, instead of just caring for people in the end and making things comfortable, how can we stop these things from happening in the first place? And that's when I went back to school and was really keen to study molecular physiology and cancer research. Um, so I guess I've always been on a trajectory to try to solve problems and just make people's lives better. And I want to keep moving with that. And I do want my life to be spent trying to make this place better from whence I came. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, um, the, the great unveil happens right now because not only are you my special guest today, not only have I yeah, been following you for quite some time, probably since the day I was born because <laughs> you happen to also be my cousin. And every time we tell people that they're like, they think we're kidding. Uh, we're we're actually not kidding. We are cousins, by the way, folks, just wanted to make sure you knew that. Um, but I am so lucky to have a role model like you. Uh, and growing up, I always admired all the cool things that you were doing. And I'm just so happy we're in this space together. I, you know what, I think you're one of the biggest blessings I've ever had in my life. And I know everyone listening is already a huge fan of yours, because you are the most generous, big hearted, wicked smart person I have ever met. And even though I apologize for getting you and me into a lot of trouble in our 20s and 30s, <laughs> um, we have the memories. You can thank me for that. And <laughs> I do. <laughs> and yes, for any doubters out there, we are truly related. And I couldn't be more proud to call Nadine Dietz my cousin. Oh, okay. Virtual hugs, virtual hugs, hugs and kisses. <laughs> Social distancing, yes. Social distancing. Okay, well, my dear cuz, I really, really appreciate you taking time out. Uh, final, final question for you. If you were not doing what you're doing, saving the world today, and you could do anything in the world, money and talent or no object, what would you be doing? Writing science fiction. Oh, <laughs> I'm such a geek. You know that. It's so related to what you're doing, though. That's like almost not fair of an answer. I know, but I love fantasy. I, I'm a Pisces. I'm a, actually, I am a Pisces poet soul wandering the earth going, what am I doing here? <laughs> okay, well, well, in your spare time while you're at Harvard and saving the world, write us a few books and then send them our way. <laughs> and uh, and make it like one of those choose your own adventures. I miss those things. I don't. I, I've had those. I was like twelve when I read those. But anyways, all right, Tamara. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been amazing and mind blowing as always. Thank you, and thank you all for the gift of your time. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 